0: Hello again, Bookworms, and welcome back to Bookmarks and Booze. This week, we are going to be discussing Laura Bates' book, Men Who Hate Women. The triggers for this week are sexism, threats of violence, and mention of sexual assault and rape. If this week isn't for you, then we look forward to seeing you next week. We're live. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Our problem solving strategies don't really mesh well with the <laughs> <laughs> So we've been coming up with really productive alternatives. Um, <laughs> basically, we're not going to do any fucking DIY together. <laughs> literally though it's so bad like i'm like okay you put the screws in and then i'll come downstairs and put the thing up and then
1: you come up to us (laughs) like we can't be near each other i have to say we've had the exact same scenario here with unpacking everything like it's got to a point where the i absolutely lost my shit at matt bless him he was just trying to be nice but he um obviously (laughs) i'm quite incompetent a majority of the time so he has to watch out and then i get angry because i'm like i'm not an idiot but I am an idiot, so it's perfectly justified <laughs> that you would treat me like that. So I lost it when we were leaving after a full day of unpacking everything. And I had real trouble locking the front door. But this door was just confounding me at every step. And it was the last thing. And I locked it. And he came up behind me and was like, let me just make sure you've locked it. And...
2: Oh, no. <laughs> oh, There <my.
0: Honey>. <laughs> was, <it> was fire. <laughs> There was fire. As I said to Chris when we had our first proper row a few days ago, oh, you have picked the wrong time of the month for this. (laughs) Hello, bookworms. Welcome to Bookmarks and Booze, where we believe if you're going to slag off a book, do it accurately. Join us each week as three close friends make our way through controversial books and their most brutal reviews. Please note, gentle listener, that we'll be giving you our totally honest opinions with drinks in hand, and this podcast will contain swearing and sports.
2: I think it's because the rest of the time you can kind of like take a deep breath. Yes! Like move on. It's because like, you're
0: capable of ignoring it for the rest of the month. Well, Exactly. It's, this is my
2: point. It's not because you're not annoyed the rest of the time. <laughs> It's just because your capacity to put up with bullshit is distinctly diminished. And I tell those you is, days.
1: I tell you what is absolutely out of bounds as well. Which Matt knows when I'm coming on my period. He knows because my irritability goes up by nine hundred percent. I but tell he Matt. can't say it. He can't say it if he even breathes. Are you coming on your period? That that is over. It's game over for him. You know what it is? That it's because they don't understand.
0: Mm.
2: That is what it is. It's like you can't relate to the how crap this feels right now
0: do you ever so, find yourself having a few days of just being a weak ass bitch and sobbing at ab- absolutely everything and getting really upset and then you come on your period and you're like knew it knew i was tougher i knew i was better than this
2: <laughs> does anyone else oh, like, deliberately bitch. provoke a hangover cry yeah love, oh yes i love a i love cry. a hangover
0: cry yeah I do like to watch, so I, I don't always know what I'm getting myself into. Emma, I think you're familiar with this one because I think I've regaled you with this, but there's a video and I, I struggle to actually tell this story without crying. So I'm going to, I'm going to do it. This is going to be the time that I tell this story without crying. It's not even a story. It's a fucking Facebook video and it's about,
1: <laughs> it's about a
0: cat, isn't it? Yeah, there's a cat involved. It's about, um, it's about a family of refugees who uh, had to take to the boat's, and uh, they they brought their family cat with them on the boat, and it's Your all voice very sad. Is no, it's not. It's the mic, and there's, you know there's a family you with kids, there's a mom and a dad and their kids, and it's very sad. And they're refugees, and they're fleeing, and they brought their cat with them, and they lost the cat. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, lost the cat. Lost 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 the cat in the lost the cat in the. <laughs> the, cat in the water. You can do this. Thought the cat was gone, and then um. They... <laughs> and then they find the cat and it's (laughs) i'm broody you know i
2: know uh, and i'm Mm. actually really excited that you're both broody i'm still Mm. so not broody which is why i think it's not for me i'm very excited i will go all in when you you two get pregnant because obviously i hate everyone else's children obviously i don't like hate what i mean yeah I'm gonna commit I do so (laughs) (laughs) but I actually can't wait for you two to have children I think it's gonna be really fun how
0: does one not drink alcohol for nine months but it's longer than nine months because yeah you have to like well you have to uh, your body, your choice ladies but (laughs) if one were to choose to breastfeed you can't drink then yeah oh, that's such a long, oh, that's a big commitment, you know, not the 18 Um, years after that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Shall we talk about the (laughs) Yeah, I feel like maybe we're skirting it because it's awful. Not an awful book, just the subject matter is.
1: So, today we are reviewing and looking at some of the reviews for Men Who Ate Women by Laura Bates. Laura Bates is a feminist writer. She's been speaking in schools for eight years and she wrote the book because she's seen a distinctive shift in mainstream adolescent male attitudes influenced by a certain form of extremist misogynistic thinking online. And this can be defined by a number of terms. So, sometimes it's known as the manosphere, sometimes it's known as men going their own way or MGTOW. Uh, It's also known as the Red Pill. Uh, It's populated also by incels who are involuntary celibates. Because of this, Laura Bates has often been threatened with rape, torture, and mutilation on a massive scale by hundreds of people linked with this movement. So the book itself is structured as she explores this kind of extremist online misogyny and how it's actually, rather than being just a bunch of alt-right men sitting in a basement in their underpants, spewing this violent hate online in the dark, recesses of the internet. It's actually permeating our society on a massive scale. She covers methodically right from the nucleus of these extremist views out to their links to white nationalism, the alt-right, neo-Nazis, how they have linked to a lot of terrorist acts and killings that have not been correctly reported in the media as being linked to misogyny, and right the way out to alt-right, soft pundits such as Jordan Peterson and Milo Yiannopoulos, how it links to legislators and regular men or children or all of these people who are actually being influenced by this far-right extremism online
2: You know what that highlights to me is that there is so much to cover. And I suppose before we really proceed, I do want to make a little appeal to our male bookworms. If you've even logged on to this episode, kudos. Um, (laughs) But the one thing that I would say is that it does clearly, from what you said, Emma, just then, you know, as well. It, it really does impact men just as much as women. You know, there are young boys being groomed. We need men to get on board and get educated about some of the issues going on about these extremist groups within the male rights movement. So please, I implore you, listen anyway. You might just be surprised by some of the information that comes to light through it. We are going to make sure we stick to the facts. It is a very factual book, should we just say it out loud that we all fucking hated having to read this like this was yeah. so hard to
1: read
0: yeah so it's about <laughs> me. i wouldn't say that i hated reading it i would say that it wasn't necessarily an enjoyable read but i think it was a necessary read
1: how had either of you heard of any of this before like incels or the manosphere you or the red pill or Cals. anything
2: to me one time you made an, a joke slagging off some, someone or some group or whatever <laughs> and you basically said like oh he's just some like fucking incel and I'd literally never heard of incel and I just nodded and smiled because I do not know what you are talking about
0: yes I was familiar with the term unfortunately I was familiar with it well not unfortunately because I do think we need to know about this kind of stuff so that we can talk about it and tackle it but I found mm. out about incels and the manosphere through reddit I follow a lot of feminist uh, subreddits so they would often show different posts from incel subreddits. I'm sure most of our listeners know but sub uh, reddit is basically a big forum that has different subreddits for pretty much anything you can think of. If you're interested in it, there's probably a forum for it on Reddit. So I started seeing these terms like red-pilled and incels and everything and obviously didn't know what they mean. And then I kind of followed the rabbit hole and found myself on incel and anti-woman reddits, which is a really unpleasant place to be. And I think, Emma, you've also seen these.
1: Yeah, I have. And I think also if you are do any type of gaming as a woman i mean i do not go online and game anymore because i found that if i was doing it with a partner or i had a group of male friends who i was gaming with it was fine going online but when you try on your own it doesn't work that seems to be a breeding ground for these kinds of people. And so it didn't seem that far fetched to me when looking at the content of the book that she actually goes as far as she does. A lot of the reviews talk about how angry she is and that she's a man hater and all of this. But I think if you actually spend any amount of time in that domain with these kinds of people in any kinds of forum, you realize that they literally hate you for being a woman. Like, um, you know, I've left a few comments on gaming forums and they are so aggressive like it doesn't matter what you're saying if there is even a whiff of what you're saying being pro-women they do not like it it's not even necessarily in a serious way it's more in a kind of you're just a woman and i just want to fucking put you in your place like and it's often framed in this jokey way and for some reason you're supposed to just accept it and move on and I'd like, be quite thick-skinned about it. But it's bizarre because it's like outside of these places that would never be acceptable. And then suddenly yeah. you get into these online spheres, you're like, oh, I just have to put up with being told all this rude shit by someone I don't know. And that's fine. Well, you know, that brings up a couple of, of really interesting points. Firstly,
0: I, I wonder what the correlation is between this kind of sexist language and the gaming community. Do you think it's because massive stereotype here but for argument's sake do you think it's because a lot of people that play video games are maybe more comfortable at
1: home and in their own company and don't get the chance to meet a lot of women yeah 100% i think this is kind of what she we, she touched on in the book quite a lot is that the these people that are running these alt right and misogynistic and right-wing spheres of influence and platforms they're very clever they know exactly where to go to pick up these potential victims and I do see a lot of these people that are brought into this world as, as victims, these guys like they're very young, they're impressionable they're looking for relationship advice sexual advice, trying to find themselves in the way you do as a teenager as Laura Bates points out, like when you're vulnerable as a man, these people lure you in and they, I think they specifically go to these gaming communities and they permeate in this way to try and influence these young minds and these, this is where a majority of of children are who are most susceptible to this kind of ideology she says you know they don't go for people who are in their 30s or 40s because their mind is made up by then in these manners you find of these alt-right people trying to convert people to being incels and and red-pilled and all of this they Specifically, go for children and teenagers, Uh,
2: and they own up to it like completely freely. And I don't want this to be a theme in a way because I I think you know it's important that this is a feminist issue. This is an issue predominantly around women, but it does impact men too, and they're they're grooming young men. I'm actually part of the reason I've been excited about this conversation as well on on a slightly more personal level is because you two are into gaming and you two are both quite active on Reddit, and I do neither. So this was a very fresh topic for me in a lot of ways. It doesn't surprise me, though, obviously, like, and Mm -hmm. I say obviously because we're all a group of of women that are reasonably well-travelled and used to meeting a variety of different people, and you come up against this kind of sexism quite a lot, I would say.
0: Well, I think you're so right that it does affect men as well, because, and as you say, this is a feminist issue, but can you imagine to warp a young man's mind like this i i can only imagine that it makes the problem of meeting and socializing with and feeling comfortable around women 10 times worse and i do agree with what the author says in this book and it seems to be that a lot of these young men come into this and the seed of this entire thing is because they feel self-conscious around women or they feel uncomfortable or they feel nervous and if you are someone that feels like that and you are suddenly plunged into this world where this kind of language is being used and there's this vitriol and this hate it's going to make it almost impossible for you to meet a woman if that's something that you want and you know going back to what I said earlier before don't come for me gamers I don't need gamergate on my fucking front door I was gonna say I, I'm waiting for the death threats yeah like, yeah but, Here they come. You know, I, did, I did not mean that if you're a gamer you ain't getting laid I'm sure there's plenty of you who are very socially confident. But I think it would make sense if you are that way inclined, that you are nervous of social interaction. You know, going to the world of gaming would make sense. Um, and you're right, it is really, really damaging for these young men. And she's, she says in the book that for a lot of them, the only way out is by actually meeting a woman and speaking yeah. to her and being like, oh, you're a human.
2: So it that men who hate women actually make other men afraid of women. The thing that really struck me about this is, especially when reading it, I was, I'll admit, getting apprehensive about the response that we were going to get from putting out this podcast. There were only 473 reviews on Amazon for this. And and it's worth saying it was rated highly, but compared to a lot of the other books we've read, they had tens of thousands of reviews. And I think that in itself says a lot that people were afraid to give an opinion on this. Obviously, on this podcast, we go through the bad reviews. I was dreading this and I thought that there was going to be a torrent of hatred, which there wasn't, which I thought was also quite telling in a lot of ways. The one that stood out to me um, was on Goodreads by Robert, one star. It was sort of started off with a YouTube link (laughs) uh, to something about women's suffrage. The next sentence is the suffragettes were domestic terrorists there then proceeds to be 23 quotes (laughs) like this one which says by Elizabeth Cady Stanton who was a founding feminist in 1848, we are as a sex infinitely superior to men. So you've got 23 quotes basically that are are quite anti-men and then a paragraph which is quite long but I'm going to try and give it the vehemence that Robert feels behind it. So But yet, somehow, men who have learned the lesson the hard way that we are hated by women and we are not wanted, so we tip our hats and take our leave to go about our individual lives and form a life for ourselves without women. Some fucking how we men are wrong for staying away from women who don't want us around. Women can be strong and independent and don't need no man, and women need a man like a fish needs a bicycle, and that's all woohoo. And you go, girl. But when a man says, okay, bye, then there's a symphony of heavy breathing and snarling, drooling rage and Tourette's levels of incel and virgin hurled at us. Take those feminist quotes, reverse the genders, and then try to imagine the raging hellfires and damnation that would be levelled at men who said those things. And I'm talking about saying them in passing. Never mind that these are published quotes in various magazines and famous feminist books. Are you all even listening to yourselves?
1: Can, can I address this? Can I, give it, can I have a go <laughs> at addressing this? Yeah, of course. Right. So this covers quite well This idea that Laura Bates covers at at the beginning of the book is kind of like an ideological underpinning of sexism, which is pretty widespread, which blew me for six when I first read it, because I thought that is so true. Mm. It's this idea that women are seen as a generalized group and men are seen as personal victims in a situation. Feminists are seen as this like, wide and homogenous group and they're all like false five rape accusations, for example. They're all man bashers or feminists think this. It's like that's always the dialogue. Whereas men are allowed an individual identity as opposed to women aren't allowed this personal victimhood. So I agree. You look at this quote, this is what this man is doing. Every single woman does this symphony of heavy breathing and snarling, drooling rage and Tourette's levels of incel. Whenever I say goodbye, like, it's me and my personal individuality in this situation and I'm allowed to be a victim and then women are this homogenous mob of feminists who are doing this. So that's that's the first thing that I think is so ridiculous. And then when you look at his evidence for women being this feminist mob, it it's one YouTube video on women's suffrage, part one, uh, obviously by, um, you know, the suffragettes. He said the suffragettes were domestic terrorists, and then he's put some quotes underneath from individual women that apparently represent us all as a whole. Now, I'm going to read out some quotes of my own. Violent crimes committed in the last 10 years by people aligned with inceldom. 2009. George Sardini shooting in Pittsburgh, killed three, injured nine. 2014, Elliot Rodger in California, killed six, injured 13. 2015, Chris Harper-Mercer in Oregon, killed nine and injured eight. 2018, Nicholas Cruz, the high school shooter in Parkland, Florida, kills 17, injures another 17. 2018, Alex Minnesanian, killed 10, injured 16. And even in the UK, the Joe Cox killer, who I had no idea and was not reported in the media to have been aligned with incels and uh, the red pill and McDowell and the manosphere, but apparently was, and murdered an MP. And that's not even counting all of the MPs who have hundreds and hundreds a day of rape and mutilation and murder threats. So that's the stats for incels. And his stats are a few quotes from some... Feminists uh in the seventies and one YouTube video. That was a beautiful, <laughs> eloquent,
0: powerful response, Emma. And I'm so glad you went first because my response is don't like a virgin, Robert. No. <laughs> 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 like, a virgin is an insult. Who gives a fuck? No one cares. Nobody gives
2: a shit. I speak for all of us. I'm gonna just say right now that it is an emotive topic. You know, because it's something that we as women deal with every single day that doesn't actually diminish the facts and the content surrounding the topic. One of the biggest pushbacks on this book generally when reading the reviews is that the facts in the book aren't backed up with sufficient evidence and that obviously the book is extremely difficult to read. A lot of um, reviews online complained a little about the structure being difficult because they said obviously like the subject matter is, is very poignant, it's very painful to read. So they found the structure unhelpful in trying to get through the subject matter. I didn't think there's any way you could frame it that would make it easy to read.
1: I thought the structure was quite clever because I think she outlined it at the beginning using that metaphor of how all the tendrils of the ideology permeates wider and wider and wider until it's reaching our children. I think if she'd have gone in straight away with our children are being affected by this, it would have been a bit pearl clutchy. Oh, well, think of the children. (laughs) Think of the children, (laughs) darling. At the beginning, you have this real kind of extremist ideology, and then it gets diluted by these alt right pundits, and then it goes to people who are in government, and it goes to Boris Johnson, and then people who you know (sighs) might suddenly be talking about about Boris Johnson was an ally. I don't know. (laughs) I'm so surprised. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Do you know what, though?
0: Like, I don't know why, but I was fucking surprised. I was surprised at how far reaching this shit is. Like mm. when she went into the politicians that this goes up to, it's abs- it's absolutely mind blowing. But then at the same yeah. time, I think there is a part of you as a woman that sadly kind of knows already, like you say. Yeah
2: most people who reviewed this were female. Um, There were some brave men who came back. um, And then there were some men that were just obviously a part of this issue. But that being said, where there were pushbacks, it was that the facts aren't actually backed up with sufficient evidence. And it's just an impassioned argument for feminism. So I decided to spot check a few facts that really shocked me and that I felt were important, obviously, for people to know. So those two facts. um, (laughs) The first one which may not have been such a surprise to people, is that the Daily Mail had a year where they made 54 cried rape headlines, which was in fact roughly double the amount of false accusations that were made in the year in question. So I looked this one up and the year in question was 2012, this is actually correct. Per the Crown Prosecution Study, during a 17-month test period, there were 5651 prosecutions for rape. There were 54 headlines in 2012 and only 35 prosecutions made for making false rape allegations. Um and then the second one was in the UK and Wales in 2018 that the average adult male was chance of being falsely accused of rape, which was vastly out of proportion of what men thought it would be. So, this was technically also actually true. So, in March 2018, the Office of National Statistics did a crime survey for England and Wales, um, which is conducted across people between the ages of 16 to 59. Data completely based on prosecutions made um, and the average adult man has a in fact 0.00021281 percent chance of being falsely accused of rape the same study also showed that 83 percent of people so that is men and women and everybody in between do not in fact report experiences to the police including rape so those two facts stated were completely accurate so there we go what do we think?
0: I don't think I would have fact-checked it off my own back because I don't want to believe that it's true, but, you know, it, it rings true with confirmational bias is what I'm talking about. So I'm really glad that you actually looked into the facts
1: yeah, um, I think this actually segues a little bit into something that I wanted to talk about, and that's men who fear women. And this chapter was more about not necessarily men who are conscious of the fact that they're hating on women or being misogynistic, but just your average bloke who has weirdly been influenced by this like far-right thinking. I actually had a bit of a cry during this chapter because mm. it just seemed that every single guy in my life had mm-hmm. at some point said something. That she covered in this chapter and people Mm. that you just do not think are misogynistic at all and are totally like that is a safe man that is someone who respects me and loves me and cares for me and I was thinking about brothers and dads and cousins and my partner and everything every single person had come out with something like this so I don't know I'm sure you guys can chip in with examples as well but some some Mm -hmm. of the examples I had was I have to be so careful at work because women can go to HR about anything now. Often women lie about rape and false rape is a huge and systematic problem. That's like most of the men in my life have talked about false rape accusations and how it's such a huge problem. And so when she came out with these statistics, I, was, I just could not believe it. I just couldn't mm. believe. But it made total sense, obviously, because you're like, I know every single woman in my life I know has undergone some sort of sexual assault at some point in yeah, their life and I do not one. know a single man personally who has ever been falsely accused of anything like that and I know that's not a good barometer for the rest of the population but it's so <laughs> hurtful as well when
0: someone that you love and trust and someone who's in your inner circle comes out with something that they think's a, a harmless comment and it cuts so deep I, I know exactly what you mean it
1: I think really a really does, good example for
0: me is the recent case with with Sarah Everard I was horrified at the amount of people that I considered friends both male and female blaming her for daring to walk home at nine o'clock at night.
2: I've walked through that very park at a very young age at night with a friend we actually ran (laughs) through it we knew it was a dodgy park basically.
0: I was absolutely horrified and I also did a, yeah. bit of a a cry around that time, Emma. It really does get to you and I think sometimes yeah. it's hard to explain to people why it feels so personal and why it feels so close to home and it's because it could be us, it could be any of us. Like absolutely. I have done so much worse than walk home from my friend's house at nine o'clock at night after a couple of drinks. My God, I have done, th- I should be dead. You see this and you think, okay, well, this fucking awful thing has happened to this poor woman. I would assume that the public opinion on this is going to be horror at the man that did this to her, right? We're going to be angry at the guy. No, 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 no Mm. A horrible amount of the time. And I don't know whether I just need to surround myself with better people or what, but a horrible amount of the time I was coming across people going, well, why was she walking in that area at night? You know, kind of asking for it. And it's like, am I taking fucking crazy pills? Let's be angry at the man that did this to her.
2: Men that try to be allies and consider themselves allies often are a little intimidated, frankly, by the level of anger about this topic. You know, so, so when you're surrounded by women that are feminists and then they're just like, oh, fucking men, men that have never done anything like that, would never do anything like that, often then do feel that fear that they're considered to be in the same light and they want to defend themselves. They then feel if they're defending themselves, they're accused. There needs to be a level of acceptance that there's always going to be anger about this topic because there's been so much damage done. The, the thing that really curdled my guts, and I couldn't read this for days after this, was that there was an elected American senator who was actually heading up one of these <sighs> incel forums, which actually vilified father-daughter incest <laughs> and wanted to repeal one of the Gender Equality Act's. Was this Um, Larson, Senator Larson? Yes, thank you, Emma. Yes, it was.
1: Another quite funny thing that I wanted to cover that I've kind of experienced with my own brief dalliances with the incel world. (laughs) She covers quite extensively with the Jordan Peterson and and Milo Yiannopoulos and all of these sort of alt-right pundits that they rely a lot on pseudoscience and sounding intelligent when what they're saying is actually complete and utter bollocks one of the things that i have found really bizarrely that incels and in that kind of world are obsessed with is this idea that vaginas become loose <laughs> after a certain amount of sexual part this
2: misinformation yeah. boys it's so <laughs> boys bizarre because it's listen.
1: like It's like if you have separate sexual partners, your vagina becomes loose. And this isn't something that is like just some incels think this. Like I remember it being on Family Guy. Like sex with her is like throwing a hot dog down a corridor. And I'm like, you don't understand how a vagina works, if that's what you think. The fact that you think that someone who is in a long-term relationship with one person and having lots of sex, their vagina is the same. But then someone who's having lots of sex with different partners, their vagina somehow changes. Like if I eat a massive sandwich, my mouth (laughs) is going to just be a windsock. It's just the most bizarre (laughs) theory. And then I always joke with Matt and I'm like, oh, well... You know, be careful you haven't had sex with too many people, otherwise, your dick will be like a pencil. And he's always like, (laughs) What? And I'm like, Well, that's how vaginas work, isn't it? They get loose, so your dick must be sanded down. (laughs) Whittled down. Whittled
0: down to a little stick bean. Yeah. Uh, This is a really good moment for me to bring a quote from my horrible ex to the podcast. Never thought this would happen. Oh, yeah. In um, An answer to your query, Emma, right? I would uh, echo the wise words of my wanky ex that went as follows. A key that can undo many locks is a great key, but a lock that can be undone by any key is not a very good lock. Well, oh, my fucking ex said that as well. No. Oh, no. Excuse me while I just sick, lovely, dry Pinot Grigio back into my mouth because... <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs>
2: he was such a fucking turd also um
0: also 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 <laughs> i stayed with him i stayed with him i, I know you we've all been there mate we've oh, all been there my, i would just like to take this time if anyone out there was friends with me during this period because i know you're all you know saying to me what the fuck are you actually thinking yeah hi he's not that bad i'm so sorry for putting you through that <laughs>
2: I'm sorry for making
0: you making you endure the relationship I was in for those 2 years. I was in a very weird
1: space. <laughs> also the other thing is this idea that (laughs) feminists are like whiny moany kind of uber liberal bunch and i thought it was so insightful what laura bates said about how she never gets invited into media chats and like talk shows never invite her to talk about like defunding of women's shelters they always invite her to talk about kleenex discontinuing man-sized tissues because feminists find it offensive and what does she think of that she's always like they try and trivialize these issues this right-wing media to try and get shock value to get Any kind of view from any audience, you have to do the most shocking thing possible. And so normal feminist issues are not relevant. They want to pick the most ridiculous ones to trivialize who feminists are and paint us as these like whiny over the top, you know, fighting for these ridiculously trivial things. Piers Morgan is the like typical, this person is a rabid feminist, like rabid feminist Mm. over and over again again the homogenous thing like feminists are this entire mob of people who are trying to take away your rights and it sounds so harmless when it comes from his stupid fat flabby mouth and yeah and like, a, and like a used up vagina his mouth is <laughs> just the not <won't> stop <laughs> he, looks, <laughs> he looks like the pigeon lady from home alone too he does that's you know insulting <laughs> to the pigeon lady but i'll take it <laughs> Sorry, what were you just saying before we started talking about Piers Morgan and that? I was just saying that feminists are painted as like moany and whiny. Well,
0: yeah, that's actually something that I'm really eager to speak about because I did not know about strawmanning before reading this book. Strawmanning was a brand new thing to me and I myself have actually fallen for it. So I remember reading an article about a group of feminists who were lobbying to get a female representation on the traffic light. So, you know, when you cross the road, there's a little stick man and he flashes up Or these group of feminists wanted a person with a skirt, which is its own debate, but well, different. different Um, And I got quite annoyed about it because as someone who is very passionate about feminist issues, I was frustrated that this traffic light debacle was getting so much media attention because I wish that the media were talking about women being murdered and raped on their way home and the wage gap and all the things that we actually give a fuck about. And I realized now that I was probably being straw man. That article was probably put out by a right wing media source. And because I didn't source check, I just saw it and rolled my eyes and thought, this is not the kind of feminism that I ascribe to. And it works both ways. You know, the left also do it. Well, they'll put out articles about gun control and stuff. And then we as lefties read it and we roll our eyes at the crazy people on the right. And, you know, it, it works both ways. But I found it really interesting that they use this as a tactic
1: to distract people from the issues that actually matter one of the things that I have mainly seen in cells that they're most prevalent on is this like meme culture. I think this is how they get it to be mainstream as well, this kind of actually quite extremist thinking is that they uh act like you are comedyless and you're you're completely kind of square and you find no joy and fun out of anything. And we're the people who are making the jokes and we're making light of things. And it's almost like cool and funny to be a bit kind of anti feminist. Yeah, yeah. And I found it with people I know. That's the most times when people that I know are misogynistic. It's never seriously. It's always no. just a joke. I'll get back in the kitchen or whatever. And these like just to be like controversial and shocking and and edgy.
0: Yeah. yeah. I and mean, then us as women, if we don't laugh along with a joke or take it on the chin or whatever and not take it seriously, then we are uptight haridans for getting yeah. upset about it. Whereas we're meant to be like the cool girl that goes, ha good one. Yeah, women suck. And it, they've done a really good job of making it. I mean, I would argue that it's actually more edgy to say, no, that's really rude. Fuck you. Yeah, Because absolutely. that's less socially accepted.
2: Well, and I would also make a point is to say that, as you, you guys know, I've lived in a bunch of different places. And actually, in certain places, you get people making those kind of sexist jokes pretty overtly. And in other places, men will literally just ignore you and talk to your partner. I've also mm-hmm. had that experience where I've gone to parties and I've met, say, like fathers of, of friends who in countries I won't name because I, I, I love them. But I've literally been ignored. I've said words to someone and they've literally not deemed it a necessary evil to respond to me because of my gender. And that in itself, to me, is almost a more overt sexism than, you know, all of this this vile spew that, that some of these communities reel out. But also something terrible about this is that there are quite clearly among these people, people just trying to fit in. You know, people just trying to find their group, people just trying to kind of laugh along and go along with some of these terrible, shitty jokes just to, like, make friends. The only thing that I would say is I would implore you, go to therapy rather than talk to these people because they suck. (laughs) You're not going to gain anything from these people. You You know, I would say
0: from my own experience... When friends or when people around me say something sexist or say something inappropriate, I have recently started saying, I don't like that. Don't say it to me again. And I have never asserted my boundaries like that with my group of friends. And I have been really pleasantly surprised because genuinely I was expecting a real backlash against it. I was expecting to get the spiel about the militant feminists and this and that and the other. But surprisingly, the majority of people have been really receptive and really respectful.
2: This is a difficulty because you're taught that this resistance is not cool, it's not accepted, it's not likeable, but actually there does
1: need to be a level of, you know, no, that's not okay. It can be the people that you trust the most in the world, who you think respect you the most in the world. And then they come out with these rehearsed lines. It seems like this book for me has answered so many questions as to where this absolute bollocks comes from, from Mm. people who you seemingly allies and people who you trust, who you assume will afford you the basic respect you deserve as a human being, as a woman. I don't know as women how you guys broach it when someone says that sort of thing. Like I have to be quite delicate about it and say, why do you feel that way? What makes you say that? And never, you know, even though you want to be so aggressive and be like, how dare you say that to me? Do you understand how rude that is? Like, oh, well, you know, she's a slut or, you know, she sleeps around. And you have to kind of say, what makes you say that? Because you're an intelligent person and you're coming out with something that's very unintelligent and very presumptuous. So where does that come from? Absolutely. And it's so much harder when it's someone that you love because,
0: You have to tread the line, which is such a shame that you have to do this, but you have to tread the line between being a humorless killjoy because they're clearly joking because, you know, you know them well enough to know that they can't be saying these things with sincerity because that would be spiteful and not the person that you've come to love. But at the same time, the things that they're saying are so inherently upsetting to you I, I cannot empathize enough honestly I completely get what you mean and I've had a really similar thing with most people in my life and it is so hard to try and explain that actually harmless I'm doing air quotes good for a podcast uh comment <laughs> you just made has really upset me
2: I think it depends on the person right like there'll be people in your life that maybe they're newer maybe they're a partner maybe they're a friend you want to keep them in your life and, and so you'll turn around and go you know what actually that was really hurtful to me boundary that was really hurtful yeah I don't want you to continue to talk to me in this way if you are gonna continue to be a part of my life I would really appreciate it if we move forward like this and then frankly if they answer with anything other than I'll at least think about it and go away and come back to you. Then if you decide to keep them in your life, that's up to you. I would not do that. That being said, this is an interesting topic that I'm I'm glad we've naturally come along to with this book. Because this isn't just a a male-female issue, right? This is a people thing. So there's people in my life that have sexist views that I don't really think it's worth me wasting the energy on educating them. I actually don't expect them to ever change yeah but I have my boundaries up in that relationship enough that I am comfortable to move forward on a very tentative level around that I mean how do you guys negotiate that say for example you know with either a difficult family member or like in the workplace for me I just make an emotional disconnection there'll be people that are hatefully listening maybe to this or people that we're talking about in this book that no matter what we say, I'm never going to give it an objective thought. So,
1: where do we go from there? I think it depends how close you are to that person. One of the comments that I've heard from men about the feminist issue that just makes me so angry is because they think they're being clever and nice and a revelation by saying this. A lot of men I come across say, I had no respect for women or I thought about women a certain way until I had a daughter and then I suddenly yeah. it changed everything. That's gross. Um, yeah, and, <laughs> and you know what, it's, it's just sad. Like, it's just yeah. like you couldn't see women as as human beings until they were actually born of your own loins. You know, <laughs> and, and that's that so
0: interesting because
1: now I am
0: really fond of the TV show, which is mentioned in the book, and for, I never liked that show. Well, you know, for a while I've been thinking, you know, some of this shit he's pulling is actually fucking awful. You know, there's mm. a bit in it where we're talking about Barney, which is a character that's referenced in the book as being a bit of a a cheeky sort of lovable, like a a real amped up version of Joey from Friends, you know, a bit of a womanizer, but it's harmless. It's funny. He's got a playbook and this, that and the other, but he will say things in this TV show about, he goes, I'm pretty sure I once sold a woman is a joke that he made where he didn't speak the language in an Arabic country and he he says something about, oh, I don't know, they just bundled her in a car and took her away and then there's the canned laughter and there's a lot of those kind of jokes but then Barney has a daughter and Barney completely changes his ways. He has a transcendental experience with this baby where he realises, that no, no, this woman is worth things. Like
2: she's... Speaking from experience, never happens.
0: Well, I, I can't say that I'm really a fan of the show anymore because I think that's kind of tainted it for me. But for years and years, would watch it on repeat, you know, like, oh, yeah, this is a go to sleep show. And now I can't unsee it.
2: It's not helped our cause, that's for sure.
0: Stuff like that does not age well, hey?
2: But I think that sometimes this is why these things are important. I, I think this is why art's important. I think it's why writing's important because it encapsulates the time. And frankly, if we couldn't see a difference from 30 years ago to now, there would be a problem.
0: That's a very good yeah. point. Yeah, that's a real positive spin on it.
2: <laughs> I do I mean, other, my best. <laughs>
0: another positive <laughs> yeah. note. Believe it or not, there was a bit of this book that actually made me laugh out loud. And it's when she's talking about when she went undercover to the meeting. They hand out the leaflet with the topless Greek gogs on it. And she says they seem to miss <laughs> the homoerotic nature. Which you felt. <laughs> <good. laughs>
2: something I really want to really delve into. And actually, it was something I felt was missed in the book. Pickup artists. I have a massive issue with people trying to um, use pickup lines or anything like that to manipulate me into liking someone. Don't I, Sid? I'm particularly bad at it. Um, just just <laughs> fire it. doesn't like it. I get real mad. And um, I think something that would have been really important to mention is actually for women acknowledging which type of tactics are used by pickup artists so that we can essentially clock them and write that guy off. Because I think that there are some guys that genuinely have an interest in picking up women that are nervous. And that's pretty apparent. You know, if you use any kind of level of intuition as a woman, you know, you meet a guy that seems a bit nervous to talk to you. As long as he's not a dickhead, quite frankly, we're quite open to talking
0: to you. You know, what's crazy is I have hit on a handful of women because they go both ways. There have been times <laughs> when I have been chatting women up and I have been like, am I being a creep? I think, you know, the story of me being absolutely shit-faced and being in love with the barmaid and then, like, me chatting her up and afterwards being like, she was at work. Leave her alone. <laughs> like, <laughs> And feeling so awful the next day because I tried to chat up this lovely barmaid and I'm thinking she was probably just trying to serve drinks.
1: Yeah. You're an insulted. Yeah, familiar. am I like a creepy oh, old here.
0: man? It was late as well. Oh, God. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think the moral of the story, from my opinion, that was missed from this book is that there is a large amount of men out there using pickup artistry tactics frankly that end up being quite aggressive sexual assaulty type tactics and i think yeah i think they can be very dangerous and i think at the very least if women were aware more aware of what these are we would be equipped to manage them so i will give you a real life example so i remember i Had watched a documentary about this. I heard that uh, one of the techniques was to sort of start telling women early on what to do, so that they got comfortable taking orders. So I remember being out at a bar, and there was a guy that I'd seen a few times who had tried to chat me up a few times unsuccessfully. But we would be drinking in in a circle, and I would be on the opposite side of the room, and he would sort of say. Christina, come here. And he sort of, he was saying, like, come and talk to me now. Come, come and do this. And let's get a drink. And it was all very definitive. And I was like, but it seemed more so than just him trying to be assertive. It seemed a bit more rehearsed. And, you know, I'm lucky in that I I pick these things up quite easily. But I did realise afterwards when we'd all been drinking and I spoke to another male friend that apparently he had been determined to pick me up that evening. And I don't know how I feel about
0: it now. I have done a bit of a deep dive into the world of pick-up artists. So... Going back to what what you said earlier, like when you were asking us how we would feel about a shy guy coming over and talking to us, I think there's context. So I can't necessarily 100% agree with you. I agree with you that I'm not going to be horrible to a man that comes over to me on a night out and it politely starts up a conversation. But if I am with a female friend and I want to have a night with my female friend, then I will politely say, no, thank you. Please go away. If that it counts as like a shutdown or a humiliation, I don't mean it to be. It's just that I'm not really in the mood to be picked up. When it comes to the tips that these pickup artists are giving these men who, according to the book, and I think probably makes a lot of sense, are less confident, especially less socially confident men. It's really frightening. There are tips yeah. about stepping in front of the woman so she can't get past you. If she's on a run, forcing her to stop. There are tips about asserting physical dominance over a woman. There are tips about not, not letting a woman talk too much about herself. There's also a video game. Which Can you we also like address negging? Oh, yeah, negging.
1: <laughs> have you negging. ever experienced negging?
2: I've had so much negging. I have and had, I, yes. To the yes. point that I literally have said, Are you, is that a neg? I think I speak for all of us when I say like, we've all been rejected at some point. We've We've all mm. been attracted to somebody. And then they've gone, you know what? I don't find you hot. Or you're not for me, or like whatever it is, and you just have to fucking deal with it. Yeah, like there's no pretty way
1: of saying that. It's not nice, but at the end of the day, you move the fuck on. But it seems to target these like white men, who predominantly white men. Who are constantly being told that they're like privileged by the modern left in the media, and you're like, you've got this amazing privilege that no one else has, and you've got this unbelievably easy life. And then they are basically like, well, I just work in a fucking gas station and I have the shittiest life, and everyone's telling me that I'm privileged. And these people who are really downtrodden are just being sucked into this, oh, well, none of it's your fault. You don't have to deal with rejection because it's all the feminists that are making you be rejected. Women have these impossibly high standards and all of this. It's like, no, you're taking away that life experience that everyone should have of experiencing failure and rejection. Like it is a part of life. Like every single like, person, yeah. doesn't matter how much of a Chad you are, doesn't matter how big your muscles are or how fat you was are. Something else that you know? really
2: riled me. That was something that actually came through on TikTok videos on Instagram. I do not game, I'm not on Reddit. I had no idea about incels, about what the fuck any of this stuff was. And I saw people mentioning, like, Becky's. So it is infiltrating. This is the thing. Everyone's like, oh, it's so extreme. It's like, well, it's not. Because I had seen that via those videos that were mainstream.
1: I find it very interesting that she compared it so much throughout Islamic extremism. I think that a lot of incels with this white nationalistic background would criticize Islamic extremists and be very patriotic and in the same breath be like, incels are driven to be this way and driven to violence. And all the arguments that people would use to sympathize with someone that's been radicalized by Islam, they use for themselves. One of the main bits of the book that stood out to me and I've been thinking about ever since
0: reading it was when she is addressing the recorded numbers of deaths that are down to extremist groups. Mm. And they have recorded animal rights activists and they have zero deaths. She calls up the people that are responsible for recording these deaths, they monitor these extremist groups. And she says, well, you've got animal rights activists on here and there's zero deaths attributed to animal rights terrorists. And they say, yeah. And she says, well, I see here you haven't recorded any misogynist or sexist groups. And they go quiet on her. And she says, I want to say she says there's been 18 deaths attributed to them. And they don't really have an answer for her. And I found that so interesting that they have catalogued the movements and the practices of these animal rights, for argument's sake, let's use their terminology and say terrorist groups, and then have not catalogued young men walking into female spaces and gunning women down or running them
1: over I just find it so ironic that these people are talking about this feminist conspiracy that's underpinning everything in society and is keeping down white cis men. And yet there is a legitimate conspiracy going on to dampen all of these actual misogynist serial killers.
2: I just feel like for a group of people that are so obsessed with us not basing our argument on facts, they don't seem to be basing a lot of their argument on facts. When looking through these reviews, a huge amount of them were female, and not all of them were positive. I mean, this was another one I really wanted to read out. So it's by Zoe May on Goodreads. And she rated the book two stars, and she just put, I feel like a strong feminist, but I still don't love this book. I like to analyse information myself, and this book felt too biased and too angry to provide me with real value.
1: I found that review so interesting that someone who is a feminist would say she sounded too angry Mm. because I thought, how could you possibly read this book about all these mass murderers who are being actively covered up by people from all levels of society, like right down from our legislators to our children, like the prime minister of this country actively purporting these views. How could you read that and not be angry? Absolutely. And I yeah. also have a problem with her criticizing
0: the book as as she knew all of this already and it's too basic. Okay, well, congratulations if you knew all of this already. But a lot of people don't. In yeah. fact, I would go as far as to say the majority of people don't. I certainly didn't know everything in this book. I found a lot of it very informative. How is that a constructive book review? I do think the language that they use in these circles is really interesting because using this language that the general public may not necessarily understand makes it kind of like a gang like a group you know and i am part of some <laughs> much more innocent subreddits that use their own personal language uh if i'm pulling one out of the air i follow a subreddit that's about overweight cats <laughs>
1: and of course you do yeah sure and there's a de-
0: yeah. So there's a code about <laughs> how fat you're rating the cat. So, you know, it goes all the way from a chonky boy to, oh Lord, she coming. Like <laughs> I could be talking complete Christina, I'm sure to you, this sounds like nonsensical madness. garble.
2: Yeah. Actual madness.
0: But because I'm in the little crew, I know what I'm talking about. And that, is what they're doing with this terminology, which I think is actually, I hate to admit it, I really hate to admit it, but there is some insidious intelligence to this recruitment process.
1: And I think that's the greatest con of all by this alt-right is actually making feminism this kind of ridiculous and I, I think of it myself I feel like I've been brainwashed myself that I try and apologize for coming out with something too feminist like oh I know that that's mony left-wing sort of haha and I joke about being left-wing I do exactly and I'm like the same thing. why am I all- joking about that oh that's my crazy kooky left-wing view that <laughs> women shouldn't be shot in the street you you threw out there man you need yeah. to rein it in <laughs> I think it's a little extreme like not wanting to get shot in broad daylight It's this kind of making a threat and making a kind of straw man out of feminists or transgender people or LGBTQ people or minorities. A lot of the memes I see are complete straw man scenarios. You know, it's always like a black dude they seem to be frightened of. Like, oh, and she like with someone who was oh, an yeah, ethnic minority. See. And then like, you know, she came back to me and I was loaded. And she was like, I've got three babies. Take me back. And I'm like, no, bitch. You know, like they, these wow. imaginary scenarios that are just bollocks. I, I saw one from this Christian mother and she'd said like, this is why my, I don't let my daughter listen to Taylor Swift because otherwise her vagina will end up like this. And it was two sandwiches. They were both beef sandwiches and one of them, you can see where this is going. And like, one yeah. of them was like all tucked in and the other one was like all the beef out, like making out like your, in your labia are uh, like your labia menorah. Are like somehow influenced by the amount of sexual partners you have and not as science dictates by your genetic makeup. Hi, <laughs> hello. Can it be the part of the podcast
0: where I um, lay down some vulva facts?
1: No, yes yes like I, love I love a vulva
0: fact oh, i welcome okay. vulva so, facts, at vulva facts. um vulva people have facts. varying lengths in their labia both majora and minora. both are perfectly healthy neither one is right nor wrong your vagina is yours and she's wonderful Tree her well
2: she can be any size <laughs> the- shape or color Absolutely. And the amount of sex you have
0: does not affect the appearance of your vagina in any way, unless you are doing some pretty rough sex. Your vagina and vulva, because lest we forget, your vulva is the entire thing, the vagina is the entrance, are going to remain entirely the same aesthetically. So for the love of fuck, can we stop describing vaginas that have shorter labia as neat or as the preferred way of looking because it literally doesn't fucking matter as long as your vaginal health is tip top and you're taking care of her and you love her then that is all that matters and that is the end of my talk thank you
2: for coming that's amazing (laughs) when i read the book i had never heard of the everyday sexism project what has generated so much hate for her online is a website that um purely only highlights daily acts of sexism that impact women around the world um from 25 different countries and it is just a blog it is just somewhere where people can put anonymous posts or posts with their name where they highlight things that have happened to them that have been sexist, that haven't been great. And that's the whole thing. The reason she's been getting death threats and hate messages and people threatening to turn up at her house and rape her and do
0: all sorts of awful things, that's why. I know she says in the book, you become used to it and you learn to filter that stuff out, but I I cannot fathom how... Because some of the stuff she was reading out was so fucking awful. And that's not even as bad as it gets. Like when she talks about the women in Gamergate that had to move home, they didn't feel safe in their own houses. So they had to move. All of us, funny enough, have just moved into our new homes and are very, very fond of them. The idea of having to leave behind everything that I chose for myself, love, is so upsetting. Such a horrible thought. From the book as well, it didn't seem like the threats were taken very seriously. And even worse, something I found very frustrating, Laura Bates, I'm talking about, is when she would talk about the abuse she was receiving to her friends, and her friends would say, "Well, just don't, don't let it get to you. Don't take it seriously. Like, don't feed the trolls." And it's like, "Well, okay, that's fine for you to say, but this is my life, and I don't really know how to not take this seriously because it's really serious. I am fully expecting that." there will be some negative comments about yeah. one or all three of us. Any flyaway comments we get won't compare to what this woman has been through. And you're right, Christina, in saying that she she's absolutely done nothing to deserve anything close to the vitriol she's received. It's horrible. I hope you guys feel the same. I had
2: it. a moment of nervousness. I'll be, I'll be open enough to say that. I did, because I have quite a content life, but there's absolutely no way I'm not talking about it. You know, I mean, like, it was never a question of discussing the topic. It was just more like, okay, I need to mentally
0: prepare. The internet's a fucking, love is a battlefield. But it is. <laughs> like, we <yeah>. are strong. Heartache, <laughs> <laughs> heartache, <laughs> heart <laughs>
1: <laughs> Oh, no. Was there anything in the book that you disagreed with or felt she didn't cover properly, except for the bits we've previously talked about? Were there any parts that you just fundamentally didn't agree with?
2: No, personally. There was nothing that I felt that she said that I couldn't have related to some point in my life or another. It's just a given that every woman you speak to has had some kind of sexual assault or sexual harassment issue in the past. But actually... We really need to talk about that Mm. because, you know what, I know it's uncomfortable for a lot of men and a lot of men are such allies and we are grateful for you and we love you. But you need to also listen to the uncomfortable
1: bits. You know, you need to hold us in the uncomfortable bits as well. I think that Laura Bates was very fair in that she she never wanted to excuse what incels did and these violent kind of extremist men do. She never wanted to excuse that, but she also wanted to draw attention to the fact that these men have often been hoodwinked, they've been recruited, they've been indoctrinated, and often they come from these very, very sad backgrounds. One of the bits that really stuck with me was when she's describing one of the incels who's disabled and he's saying how alone he is and they all make fun of him and basically rip into him as the incels do because the majority of them are just trolls. And then in the next conversation that she sees from his account he's saying about his violent fantasies towards women how he wants to rape them and stuff and how they're worthless and then the comment previously he's talking about how he is so so terribly lonely and just downtrodden and he has this terrible I don't know whether it was disfigurement or some sort of really sad life story that he'd had that had caused him to be kind of very isolated and alone and I mean in my experience I don't want to forgive these people I think that it's abhorrent what these people do She does touch on it briefly in the final bit when she talks about how we actually go about solving the problem of incels. But in my experience, even with the most bland, uh, mundane misogyny that I've come across, you don't combat it by being loud and being, even though we have every right to be loud and be angry and be upset, I think it's indicative in all of the reviews as well. You do not get to these people and you do not reach them on any kind of level if you are loud and you're angry. We have to be, I know it's unfair Mm. and I know it shouldn't be right, but the only way I've ever personally been able to broach it with people is to be incredibly empathetic and soft, calm and never get emotional or any kind of anger or throwing statistics. One of the things that she didn't necessarily cover in detail, and this is kind of what you touched on, Sid, as well, is, is how do you actually broach that with people and how do you actually overcome that with the average person, she just puts the onus on other men to solve the problem. the end of the book, I was waiting for the, all right, well, you've laid out the problem, problem, problem.
0: But what Now what? Okay, what do we do? What are the next steps? Which is what you sort of naturally look for at the end of the book. And then I actually felt sated by it, which is why I didn't come up with a problem with it um, initially, when at the end she says, okay, so this is what's wrong. How do we fix it? But she goes on to, as you rightly say, talk about changing men's behaviour, but I think that that's more of a long-term solution. And I think you make a really fair point in saying that maybe we could have done with a short-term solution as women as to what we do when we find ourselves in an uncomfortable or in a sexist situation. We need more
2: education in schools. We need schools to take accountability for the fact that they have an issue with sexism. And we also need to create awareness courses for pickup artistry and people trying to attack you Absolutely. for women. We have self defense. We don't have mental defense. We don't have actually kind of using your common sense and your, your savvy against men, which is, has actually been my defense many times. I mean, I have personally had a horrible amount of experiences, which I think
0: if I'd have had more knowledge about, I would have been able to avoid. While I do 100% see what you're saying, Emma, that it would have been nice to have a little a little bit in there about what we as women can do. I guess it's not marketed as that kind of book. It's more just kind of like a statement of facts rather than a self-help book. Mm. It's so hard, I think, to rate a book like this, because the last two books we did were novels, mm. so we can rate it, you know, stars on enjoyment, whereas it's it's so hard to to give this a rating out of five because it's a, a non fix do, do you guys have a star rating in your head?
2: I personally would give this book a four, um, judging on the spot fact-checks that we've done. It seems to be factually accurate. It... It's a very difficult read. It's a difficult thing to work your way through to realise that there's that many people out there that hate you. That being said, I think how it has impacted my life going forward, I would give it, yeah, three and a half stars, something like that. What about you guys?
0: I am going to give this book a 4.5.
2: Wow, that's quite... That's quite generous, I think.
0: Yeah, it's really high, and I'll tell you for why. I think that it takes a lot of balls to write this book, and I think that after going through all of the abuse and everything that she has already received, and she's essentially signing herself up for a fuck ton more abuse, but she's deemed this book important enough to write, I think that's worth something. When it comes to the actual content of the book, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was well written. She felt very personable. And I found the content to be really informative. I'm not giving this rating on how much I enjoyed it. When it comes to the content, it's not her fault (laughs) that the content is so unpleasant. So I'm going to give her a really high review because I'm so glad that she wrote it. And I hope that a lot of other authors are brave enough to release similar literature. So it's a 4.5 for me. What about you, Emma?
1: Yeah, I think I'll probably give it a 4.5 as well. because You guys are so much nicer than me. (laughs) I think it was just, it was well-researched. I thought it was well-structured. Again, like you say, Sid, is so ballsy to actually write something like this from such a vitriolic, horrible community, because if you even foray into a little bit of this feminist talk around these communities, they are horrible. They are vile, violent. It's not just online violence. It's actual physical violence, which she summarises in the book. And if you bring this up as a woman... Doesn't matter how many people you know who claim to support you, you are painted as an angry feminist, you're painted as a killjoy, all of these tropes that this right-wing media and this alt-right sphere are using to put feminists women down and to put us into our place. And I think that, that is highly dangerous. It's very damaging. We are sincerely, and that's not just from this book, but from personal experience, all of us can see we are going backwards in terms of rights for women. There is no doubt about that. That we are going yeah, backwards happening. in time to have gone in and actually done the legwork and to accept all the vitriol that's going to come your way. Hats off to you. I think it's important and I think it's relevant and it's good. So well done you, Laura Bates.
2: I will stand by my three and a half stars, but I think the reason that I stand by it is only because I want more solutions, because I think that's something that we desperately need. And it's more a reflection on the topic. I think, you know, we need to be brave.
0: So what are your thoughts? We want to hear from you. Leave a comment or tag us through Instagram at bookmarksandboos or email us at booze at outlook.com. Thank you so much for listening and be sure to tune in next week for more books, booze and brutal book reviews.